Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. I woke up this morning probably, I think, about 3.30 or so. And, uh, and God gave me some pictures, and I was thinking, because I, I knew I was going to do the offering this morning, so I wasn't whether to just pray and say, okay, go at it, you guys, or, or say something. And with the songs that were going on this morning, it kind of fit with some things that God was, was showing me. And there's always a tension between the spirit realm and our physical realm. And our, we're so, we're made to live in this physical realm and to influence it and impact it. And it impacts us. And so it's hard for us to make this connection. And this, and we always want to, there's so many things. This is, this is probably going to be a teaching at some point is what this is, but I'm trying to, trying to pull some things off of this thing. Because we always make this, we always get confused, and we always want to quantify everything. At least I do, and you always want to say, "Okay, when you say this, you if you're heavenly minded, but the but your mind is part of your soul, and the soul is this, and this, all this stuff." And and but we can be heavenly minded. And I started thinking the thing that connected me with what I was thinking early, early this morning was that so it's like there's a spirit plane right you know in ge- let's say in geometric terms you know what a plane is we're going to talk some math here okay it's like the floor is a plane okay and there is a spirit plane and then there is the physical plane and the place where those two meet is there is our soul is our mind you know, we have brains that are physical, but we have, a, we have our spirit and our soul. Is, is, our mind is something that connects these two things. And so whenever, whatever we do, God always says there has to be a, a soul or a spirit component to it. And it confuses us sometimes. Um, you know, the Jews were very good at obeying the law. It was very clear. They were... We're pretty exact. Jesus said, you know, you guys, you tithe, you know, the mint and the dill and all these things, which I don't know what those are. I guess they're herbs. They're tiny little things. But if they're what I think they are, it's like, so, so they're out in their garden. And for every 10 of these tiny little things, they set aside one. And they're real good at this, so the letter of the law. But he said, you guys have missed the whole point. You've missed it. He said, you, you, you do th- those things, but you let go the weightier things of love in the Spirit. And those are connected in his mind. That's what makes our actions connected in the spirit realm, is, is the faith and the love and, the thing, and all of these things. And, and then he says, you should do the latter without neglecting the former. So we want to quantify everything, and you know, the, even uh, uh, Peter came to Jesus and said, "Okay, so how many times do I need to forgive my brother?" Okay, just give me a number. Seven. That's a number of God, right? So that sounds good. How about seven? And Jesus said, "No, seven times seventy." Now, if you're doing the math, 
in your head, you're missing the point. (laughs) Because it's not about the math. It's about saying it's not about the numbers. Because if you really, because he's talking about forgiveness is something that takes place in the heart. And if it's really true forgiveness, then you've forgotten it. And there is no number two. Because it's forgotten, right? So he's saying, don't, don't quantify everything. But we always do. We want to say the law says this. Jesus said, uh, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, when the people were, thought they were doing the law, and, and they were sacrificing the, all the, you know, the, the animals and doing all these things. You know, he said, well, one really good example is, is, is Samuel talking to Saul. And Samuel says, I, I desire, God desires obedience and not sacrifice. So you're thinking, that's a mind-blowing thing because I thought sacrifice was obedience. No, that's the physical part, but there's a spiritual component. There's always a this and a that. That's why he said, he said, trust and obey. The obedience is something everybody can see. The trust is something inside of you. This song that we sang, we're, we're, I forget, I'm going to forget how the words go, but it's a picture of Peter when he says he's walking on the water and he tells Jesus, he says, you tell me to come and I'll come. Because now there's, a, there's something I can attach my obedience to that's not just me thinking I'm going to do it, okay? And once there's that obedience, it's, it's connected to I trust you. I don't trust my ability, but you told me to do this, and that's where I'm putting my trust. There's that component, trust and obey. And there's, it, it's, you know, there's a component of even salvation is like um, if you confess... And you believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. That's in the physical realm. That's how it impacts all this. You believe in your heart. That's a connection to the spirit realm. So there's this always this and and. There's a spirit and the the um, the spirit the spirit and the physical thing, and it's connected. The joining point, the point where it comes together. That's the soul. That's the belief. That's the trust. That's spirit-minded. That's being heavenly-minded. Because there's a real difference. You, we know what it means to be you know, fleshly-minded. I can tell you. Well, let me just say this. Okay, Amy and I like to do yard sales. Mostly Amy. <laughs> so we're at a yard sale yesterday. And I buy a little fan. It's a cool little fan. We've got one just like it at home. And I, I, I like it. It's the right size, and it, and it just is, it's, I like it. So this thing, a guy had this, a fan for sale for five bucks in the box and sealed the whole thing. I mean, brand new. So I get it home, and it's not so much brand new. <laughs> in fact, I opened this thing up, and I knew right away. I mean, this looked, I mean, it was Packaged in there real good. I opened it up, and, and there was a screw that was about halfway out, and I thought, oh, man, here we go. And I thought, oh, for, so we've, I've run into this. This fooled me once. Shame on you. The rest of the time is all on me, and I can't even count how many times, you know, <laughs> that I've been fooled. Because I just want to, you know, I just, you know, I don't believe people. You know, and they say, yeah, it works, of course. 
And I'm thinking, well, of course it would work. Why would he be selling it if it didn't? But shame on me. It didn't work. Um, didn't he, I mean, it was, <laughs> the thing was, was dusty and dirty and looked like he'd had this thing apart, couldn't figure out how to get it. So he sticks in a box. How he had the box, I don't know. Saves it for in case he wants to rip somebody off or whatever. But it's an old fan. Sticks it in there. And I get this thing home, and, and immediately, I am not heavenly minded. <laughs> so I know the difference. And, and Amy could tell the difference, you know, by the things that I said. And, if I, and when I take a moment and I get heavenly minded, like I was a minute ago, I think God brings these things back to me. I think, what about this guy? I mean, I'm thinking, why would he lie for five bucks? This guy's going to lie to me. It's not even necessary. I mean, I could see if your children are hungry or this or that. This is just stupid, okay? That's, the, <laughs> that's me being earthly-minded. But God's, you know, we talk about it here all the time. Who was that man? Why did he do that? What's in him? You know, what's, that's heavenly. How does God see this thing? That's the spirit component to everything that we do. I mean, we could... Well, I'm gonna. I could go on and on, but I won't. I'm not going to. But these are things that I, that I thought. It's just so. This our existence is so amazing to think that we're so spiritual. So so we're spirit beings living in a in a in a physical body in a physical world, and we can impact it. And we can impact it either with our physical, our minds, the way we we think of things in a physical sense, or the way God sees things, and it's night and day. And it's night and day. We can, we can make a, such a huge difference out there with everybody that we meet. I wanted to go back, honestly, I'm just being honest, okay? Roy would say the halo is shrinking, but I don't think I ever had one, so <laughs> my horns are just getting bigger. So I, I wanted to go back. I, wanted to, I was asking Amy, where was that place exactly? Because I wanted to go back, and, and I've, I've, you know, wasn't going to be nice, okay? How much better would it have been if I would have said, I want to go back because I want to pray with this guy? And I said, look, what? why did you do this? You know, I'm not mad. I'm okay, but, you know, something's wrong. And, you know, I want to, you know, and, and or whatever, however it would have led. But I just wasn't spiritually minded. I wasn't heaven minded. That's what that song is about. We sing this and think, oh, it feels so good, sounds so good. And all this stuff, but it means something. God is always a, he's a God of do this and do this. You know, do the, do the physical thing and there has to be this spiritual component to it or it doesn't mean anything. And, it, you know, winding this all down to doing the offering, <laughs> it is that thing of, you know, how much does God need? What do you want? Okay, let's figure this out. How much... Does, is it an Old Testament thing? Do we say, you know, well, the tithe in the Old Testament, it was the law, it says the 10%. Do we still do that? No, that's Old Testament. We can't do that. That's the law. Can't do the law. But what was the spiritual component of the law? What was God's heart? Why did he tell us that he wanted that? There was something God was telling us. He gave us the law because we didn't have anything inside of us that would make us understand who God was. We do now, 
but it hasn't changed God's heart. Our heart is humility before God. Okay, here's another, here's another and. One of my favorites. Um, how do you please God? God says, well, it's easy. I've told you, you know, you understand, but I'll tell you again. It's do justice. That's doing. That's physical stuff. That's what your body's doing. And love kindness, that's in your heart. That's that component. And if you get both of those right, by the way, do this too. Walk humbly before God. Okay? If we get all those things right, we got it pretty well going on. And we don't, <laughs> we don't get all big-headed about it going on because we're walking humbly before God. And we just know... God, that, that this, is, this is what pleases God. It's not how much money you're going to give, because God doesn't need your money. But it is that spiritual connection, our obedience, the things that we do, can only be connected with the things that please God through what comes through our heart. Otherwise, it just doesn't make any difference. You, as, as Roy has said over and over again, put your money back in your pocket, because it's not what God needs. It's what, need, it's what you need. It's how God's making a connection with you by our obedience. It's trust and obey. This has always been God's, God's thing. It's always been what he wants. So when we take up the offering, it's as God speaks to you in your spirit, and as you want to obey, that's when it means something. Otherwise, it's just pieces of paper and coin, and it's just something that we just have made something ourselves. Does that make any sense? So, so <clears throat> I was going to do the weep and howl thing, but um, <laughs> I always wanted to do that. You know, James, where it says, it says come, out, come now, you're rich, and all you wealthy people weep and howl because your, your money is rusting and, not, and rotting and all this stuff, and then take up the offering. But <laughs> I've resisted that temptation so far and decided to go a different way. <laughs> which is better. That was me not being heavenly-minded, by the way. Another example. So, <clears throat> let's, uh, uh, whoever, um, I guess it's, who's doing it? You? You? Okay. All right. All right, stand stand up now, Geezy. <laughs> Get, huh? <laughs> All right, well, um, so let's just pray again for the for the offering because that's part of doing the offering, and uh, we just we okay. Let's just pray, Father. We just thank you because everything we have that's of any value comes from you, and knowing you makes even things that seem to have no valuable no no value valuable. And we just we we thank you for all that. We acknowledge you, Father. We walk humbly before you, and we know that this is not just some outward act to make us look good or anything. This is just something that that you've you've said would please you, a recognition of who you are in our life. And Father, we we thank you for the, for all that you're doing. Thank you for this um, uh, this this morning, the spirit that, that that we're feeling here today. And I thank you that this is be the beginning now, as your spirit continues to work in uh, in um, Carl as he comes and speaks. And Father, just just speak through him. I, I love Carl that he's just so open to just come up and and just let you you just roll with him. And it's 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 awesome. We thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. I'm gonna move these. 
you don't want me singing. Trust me. Well, there's a lot in my heart this morning. There's some stuff that's, honestly, it's really, it's pressed me. I really um, been on my knees and just crying out just for um, just real clear voice of the Father in it because it's, it's deeper things that he shows me that sometimes are hard for me to share because sometimes people, the way they receive. So my prayer is this morning that your hearts would be open and that you would hear the Father speaking because this isn't me trying to say something from me. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that it's you. You come and have your way and let your wisdom, your words flow. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you have your Bibles, open to Matthew 7. I'm going to read verse 13 through 23. We good? Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. This is Jesus speaking to us. Then he goes right into this. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That last text is really strong. Depart from me. I never knew you. Yet everything they did, they had his name attached. There's something there. All this is one passage. There's a lot in it. But there's something in them last words, but lawlessness. Like you take things that people claim to be good, and if you looked at it in the natural, they actually look good. Yet because the motive was wrong, the heart was wrong, they're called lawless. Like his heart's not in it, he don't know who you are. Yet you may have seen manifestations happen. That's pretty heavy when you think about it. Because, you know, like it says, he's talking about enter by this narrow gate. You know, he introduces this text, enter by this narrow gate. 
but immediately he switches, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many who find it. This is Jesus. It's a warning. He says there's a narrow gate, but the way that most people are going to choose is a wide gate because it's the way that's easy. But I know if you read the Bible, there's not many things, not many things people are called to that they walked into that were easy. They required hardship. They required being broken, tested, character being forged. Like anyone, especially called to a place of leadership, there was a, the, it's, you're fighting a war of dying to yourself. Yet the enemy's got this much brighter path a lot of times that it's like you look this way, that way looks inviting. There's a lot of nice things attached. It has the glitz and glamour and things, everybody in your heart that look right. But it's not the Father's heart. He's saying, no, there's a narrow way. The narrow, the narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way. It's not a maybe. It's actually a promise, because there's nothing in his word that he wrote that isn't true. It's narrow and it's difficult, but... If you're faithful and you pursue, you pursue his heart and you come to know him, it leads to life. And then you take the word life, you go through the scripture. Life is what? He said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. What is abundant? It's overflowing. It's like you can't stop it. It just, it's amazing. But how, how, how is it you can see that? That's just one, a couple simple verses. But there's, why would the enemy have something that looks right, that's easy? And you see it all the time. You, I mean, like it says it, there's going to be things that happen that have his name attached, and they're real miracles. And it looks right, but it's not him. It's lawless. He's, his words are, depart, I don't know who you are. Said that he don't say this because he wants to condemn people. He says it because he's drawing his people into himself because in his heart he never wants to speak that to a human being because we're all made for his image. But when you see that, the response of these people says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, they're going to call him by name. So enter, but he says, only he who does the will of my Father. It all starts with one thing. If any man should follow me, he must first deny himself. What does deny mean in Greek? Completely disown. Your rights to your own opinion, life, the right to feel good, the right to have it about you has to be surrendered in order actually to walk with him. You can't pick your cross up and go if you don't come to that place. Yet there's something that looks right, it's really bright. And the promise is it's going to get brighter. I don't believe we've seen the fullness. I think it's there and it's coming. But his heart is, seek me first, my kingdom and righteousness, and all this will be added. 
This is where two and a half years ago, before I was a member of this church, through a series of things that God did that were kind of really supernatural, me and Roy ended up becoming friends. And I had spent a lot of time with him. We worked out three days a week, but our, our workout was maybe 20 minutes, but our talks usually lasted two and a half hours. And you know, like I just had a connection with that man that just our hearts had the same burning desire for truth. Our hearts, like we weren't looking for platforms. We weren't looking for, we were looking for truth. We were looking to see God move. Like he put some burning in me that I can't explain. I can't stop it. I just want it to get stronger. And the more time I spent with him, the more and more, like we just would fuel each other. You know, Patty can relate. Like we'd, we'd, he'd come to the gym at seven o'clock and get home at 1030. You know, like, but it was always about God. We didn't, that's all we talked about. It was what he's doing, what his plan is, his kingdom. He was showing me things I didn't understand. I was going to a church that God had called me to go to. And I was there, and honestly, I was getting to know Roy, but I had no intentions on being here. Not, not one. I had no intentions on coming to this place. They never even crossed my mind. I just knew I was supposed to get to know that man. Well, I think it was, it was January or February 2014. I'm going to share a dream that God gave me. It's one that I sat on for a long time. I shared it with Roy then, but I didn't fully understand it. Over the last, two, last couple years, he's given me much more clarity with it. This was a dream. I labeled it three moves of the Spirit. I think it represents churches, but not just churches, people groups as a whole. He's taught me a lot in this, one, how to steward a word and why timing is important. And I can tell you that part hasn't been easy because I'm somebody that loves to talk. I want to celebrate every time I see something good. But there's things like there's things that he says I just want you to hold. Because there's a time when it will actually will help people. If you share it early, it actually will have no value. So I'm going to read this and then the interpretation that he gave me. So if, he's not, if you're not someone that he speaks to the way he speaks to me, just bear with me. I think it will be clear when it's over. I was looking at an old car. It was a black Nova. It was very built, like it had a blower, like a... Um, just a big block. I'm not. Larry would have these terms better, but it was all set up for racing. It had a special bumper and a spoiler in the back that it actually flipped because it gave it more aerodynamics. It had roll bars. The driver was a man. He was he had was completely shaved, just shiny. He, he had a very stern look on his face, and all he knew in this world was how to drive this car. He didn't help with any preparation that was going on around it. He just sat there and he waited to drive. I was there looking at possibly buying this car. The man that was showing me this car was walking me around it. And I remember looking at the exhaust pipes. It had dual exhaust and it had some special inserts on them that made it, 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 made it sound a certain way. The driver was revving the motor and it was super powerful and it fast. But as I, noted, I, I looked closer, and as, as I noticed, he was revving the motor. It was spraying oil everywhere, like through the exhaust. 
my perception was, wow, that's not going to last long. But the thing that stood out to me the most was the driver wasn't preparing. He was just sitting there waiting on no idea that his car was leaking oil. And then it shifted scenes, and immediately I saw a race. That car was in the race. The second car that appeared on the scene, it was a bright red, brand new Ford Cobra Mustang. It was finely tuned. It was tested and proving. It had nothing aftermarket. It was under warranty. And what I felt when I looked at it, it was built to last a long time. And immediately, well, a little while later, I see another car. This one was, it was more of a, I called it a Fast and the Furious type of car. It was like a small, like compact sports car that they converted to a two-stroke. And I remember looking inside and it had like everything you could imagine, like bright neon lights. It had every kind of thing you could put on it, but it had the biggest thing I noticed was it had a huge thing that said NOS on it. For you race fans, you would know what that is. And as I looked at that, I perceived this car was used for city drag racing. They're fast, they're exciting, but they don't last. As I pondered this, like the dream, it, I pondered this, I realized in my dream that this, the loudest, the first one was a picture of a church. It was a, it was a church, and it was something that I was in. It was loud, it was moving with lots of power, but it wasn't going to last because it was, it was leaking oil. It wasn't operating with wisdom. It lacked maturity and it lacked character. The second one was God's design for where he's leading, I believe, this house. It's built on a solid foundation. It's not as flashy. It's not as loud. But it's well-engineered. It's well-balanced and it's been tested over time. That particular model came out 50 years ago, 51 years ago. The third one was what I believe is about to appear on the scene. I think it's appearing now. But, but it's, it's going to get really loud, and it's going to be a lot more than what I think we've seen. But this is one that comes. It's super exciting. It's fast. And this is going by. It's a move of God. It's going to be called and labeled a bunch of things. But this thing, I, I believe the biggest thing that's wrong is it's built on men with no identity. They don't, they don't know the Father intimately. They haven't been through that narrow way, that gate where it's, you're actually broken, where you're forged, where you're molded. And sadly, when people step, they, people, like, I guess people get launched into leadership without the character to steward. When you add power to it, it becomes catastrophic. And it won't last. But then this dream moved. The next scene I saw was, it was a, um, a really, it was a tent. It wasn't a circus tent. It was just a big tent, and it was solid. It had really, really big ropes. And it was fastened all the way around. Like, it, was, it could have survived anything, but they were big, and they were stayed to the ground, and it was tight, and it was just solid. But the, around it was three concrete block walls, and it was up way above the top. It was only open to one side. 
all the way around that thing was, was beautiful green grass. It was well manicured, but it was the brightest green. The only part that was open, it faced the sun. Above it, there was like a hilltop. It was a higher place, but above it, all I wrote was it faced the sun, but I wrote the word S-O-N. And the next scene, it was me and Roy walking through it. We were walking up this long hill. And I was in front of Roy. Or, or he, I was actually, she was right. He was right here beside me. And there was palmetto trees. We were walking up this hill towards these palmetto trees. Well, the palmetto tree is, is a sign of victory. Um, but we're walking towards it. And to my right, there was a, a fence. But I looked just between that tree and the fence, to my right was a really big bull. It was massive, and it had big horns. And it was looking at Roy. And, it, and I looked at the fence. I said, we, I said, it's too far, we'll never make it. I looked at the tree, it's too far, we'll never make it. And that thing came charging. And all I remember is, there's a boldness rose in me. I stepped out and I grabbed that thing by the horns and I turned them and redirected it. And all I heard was these words. This is the part where I asked you to have grace. I didn't know what it meant. But he, he told me, he said, you will stand in the, in the gap for Roy Giesti. And then I woke up. But there's one thing that I missed with the tent. It's a picture of this house. And I'm not saying every other thing you'll see is not God. What I'm saying is, if you've been through a season, if you've been through a time that's been hard, if you've been through a time thinking that you wish you could see more, that I know there's more, but I'm not seeing the more that I want to see, what he spoke is he showed me that thing that was protected from anything on all three sides, only exposed to the one. He said, this is for the children. This is for the next generation. And as hard as, will you stay the course? Will you allow me to finish this process that I've started in you? Where I can build something that can actually be passed. That's a big deal. But I'm telling you, the foundation is character. It's character. But it's not something, it's, it's just, but it's, it's found through that narrow way. It's going against the easy part. It's going against the most dividing thing. It's going to where, what I find so many times, it's in the things that you don't really want to do. Where is character birth? I mean, I've heard it so many times from so many people that I've had the privilege of sharing life with. The greatest breakthroughs that I've seen are doing the things that I never wanted to do, or there was something in me that I had a fear from doing, or why is that? You know, David was keeping sheep for years. It wasn't a rewarding job. It was the most looked down upon job that there was. But he stayed faithful because he was doing it for his father. It's easy for us. We see the end. We see that through that... You know, he built intimacy. Through that, when the lion and the bear came, he had victory. Through that, 
he was, when he was sent to bring food, he was prepared to face this giant. But really, like, even in that, it's awesome to celebrate, but the father knew in the beginning that he was building a man that, would stand, that could stand being king. He was building a man that actually could stand to carry the anointing and the favor and, what, and all it took to be a godly king to lead his people. And no matter what you're facing, what you're walking through, what you're being forged in, he's building you for something. He's building you for something. You may not understand it fully, probably don't. That's the part where character's forged, where you press through because he's good and he told you to. You know what I know? I just believe that... Um, this thing, this third one, you know, two and a half years ago, he, he showed this to me. I shared it with Roy. I sat on it. I prayed about it, reminded Roy of it many times. You know, we, we still talk a lot. And, but I, recently, I've seen something where I actually know somebody very well that through a prophetic word and a laying on of hands from an anointed man of God has stepped into a position of leadership, an actual ministry. And when you look at websites, when you look at things on, on social media, on a computer, on the internet, you can make it look like anything you want. And if there's manifestations that are attached, a lots of people are going to jump on board. That one's very close to me, but I know his heart isn't to condemn anything. His heart is to love people out of where they're at. And so last night I asked him, I was like, God, like, how do I share this and make it reflect your heart? And he woke, you up, he woke me up. He gave me two things. Right before I closed my eyes, he gave me a Bible verse. It was 1 Timothy 5.22. He says, do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. It's not talking about blessing somebody. It's talking about like appointing someone to leadership. There's a process that requires all the steps of character in order for God to appoint somebody. And again, his heart is to see people win. His heart is to see his bride flourish but I'm going to share another dream so bear with me because this is he woke me up he gave me one last night and then as I it kind of made sense I thought I had to share them both I'm looking at a tractor dealership They had, they had just come out with these really high powered riding lawnmowers they looked like go-karts they were really low to the ground they had larger tires in the back than the front. They were all one color. But one thing I felt was that the steering tires were small. There was really young kids getting these, and they were really, really, they were, they were really excited as they, as they got their mowers. The younger ones were waiting to jump on as, the, as they were prepped. And as they were doing that, people who had already gotten one had come back bringing more people. 
I observed for a while, and I watched as they pulled off the yard with just big smiles, and they were excited. As I was leaving, I went around the first curb, and, I, and the first thing I saw was one of these things hanging off the road. They had lost control. I looked to the right. There was another one off the road. Everywhere I looked, they were just sliding everywhere. And as I, the one to the left was a seven-year-old girl. So I stopped to help her. As I stopped, my son jumped out, and he, he actually was steering it as we pushed it back onto the road. I warned him, don't drive it. It has too much power. This little girl's dad was sitting in another one. He never got out to help her. He proudly spoke loudly. That thing goes 60 miles an hour. He wasn't at all concerned for his daughter. He was just enamored with the power. I was a little scared and I was grieved for them because these kids had way more power than they knew how to steward or control. And as I, say there, I sat there pondering, this is what I felt, that the father is grieved because many people will be hurt and destroyed because they don't have the character or the maturity to actually steward things that are being given to them because of the way that it's being done. Again, none of them are bad things. It's just if you don't have the character or the wisdom to steward it, it just destroys. And as I thought about this more, like why would you have a mower that goes 60? Like it's really, in the, in, in the natural, you take that, it's pointless. You can't mow a yard at 60 miles an hour. I mean, if you, you know what I'm saying? If you could, you're going to go through the house or die. You might make it through a couple. But then again, now take that. That's for me to drive and go in 60. Now, give it to a seven-year-old girl. Most seven-year-olds, you're not going to let them drive a slow lawn, lawnmower. Never mind put them on one that goes 60, 70 miles an hour. And I felt like that's what the father said. He said, to, to receive things that you don't have an ability to, to steward... It's, really, there, it's just destructive. It ha- absolutely has no value. You get a confused identity because that gift becomes who you are. And the saddest part is all these things are good. God wants to give us gifts. He's the giver of gifts. But the order that he gives it, it's the narrow gate, the narrow way. It's the less shiny one. It's the road less traveled. How do we know? He said, few there be that find it. But the ones that do, they enter into life. And so like this morning, I just... His, it's one thing he told me a long time ago. I've seen a lot of things. And sometimes I question him, you know, like... Yeah, he speaks to me in dreams and shows me a lot of things. But sometimes I couldn't prophesy the color of your shoe. And I asked him, I was like, God, why is that? He simply said this. He said, Carl, he said, everything you need is there when you need it. If you don't need it, why would I give it to you? Because then it gives you the ability to misuse it. And so I think just, you know, like, we're going to see things. But it's hard as keep your eye on the one thing. Don't get, because the, the lights are going to be bright. There's gonna, I promise you things are going to get really, really active. And they're going to happen all around you. But it's hard to say, and press into me, don't go after that. When you pursue me, all the promises of Scripture then come alive. 
these things will follow you if you don't find them and make them happen. See where I'm going with this. I know Roy many times he's used this um this jump early. The enemy's always there to try to get you jump early, especially if you say yes. When you get on your knees, if, I don't care if it's in a church setting, when you say yes to the Father, when you're excited and jumping up and down saying, I am all in, and you give your life to Him, the accuser of the brethren sees you do it. And so now he has to change his game. And I'm not living devil conscious, but I'm saying be aware of the fact that when you say yes, there's a war. And he's, he's going to try to deceive you through the purity of your own heart. It's not wrong to desire to see God move. We should expect that. But he says, desire the one thing, the true thing. I feel like this house, he's been building a foundation. And it feels like a long time for many. I know, Patty, you guys have been at it for a long time. But I promise he's faithful. And once that, that foundation is the hardest part, it's the most tedious part, it's the longest part. Once that's built, he can build, and it's solid and it's stable. And I just want to encourage you guys, stay the course. Press in and ask for more. Ask for more. Pray for this house, not just house, because it's not just to build this house. He's building a church, which is his people, to carry these things out there. Character, integrity, love, love, <laughs> love, love. But I love it. You take David... A man after God's own heart. That's what Jesus. That's what. That's what Jesus said. His name, his kingdom, is is established forever. And he talks about in Acts, like he'll return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I'm sure there's other interpretations of that scripture, but I feel like the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David is in the hearts of men. It's when when you intimately pursue him, as the example was set. Give me you or kill, like, or die. I want nothing else but you. That was his life. The presence of God is what he cried out for the whole time he was alive. And I marvel because, Tom, you could teach this way deeper, so I'm not. But I marvel when I look at David's life because if you look at the Levitical law, you have all these rules for the high priest. You have one day a year that they could go into this holy place. They have all these rules, all these rituals. If you miss one, you're smoked. They tie rope to his ankles and a bell, and if the bell stopped ringing, they knew he was dead so they could pull him out. That was, that was the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. But yet David discovers intimacy in the years of character being forged. He had, it was him and God and sheep. He discovered something. So, you know, when I'm king, he said, no. Don't take your presence from me. He, you know, he brings the ark in, and the first thing he does is strips down naked and dances in front of it wildly. Like, how is it the same thing? The, Levit the Levitical priest gets smoked, 
if he does that. But David just, I mean, he has no garb, no left. He's just him in the presence worshiping and God is pleased. But he's old covenant. But I love this because the first order of business he does is he establishes priests and prophets that surround this thing 24 hours a day and they have 24 hour a day worship for 40 years as long as the ark was there, that they, they, were, the, they were in his presence, not just him, but the whole nation came into his presence because of one man going after intimacy and actually pursuing why we are created. And I feel like that's the Father's heart. In Amos, Amos 11, not 11, Amos 9.11, he, he prophesied the same thing. On that day I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. And all the Gentiles, Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper. And the treader of grapes who sows seeds. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and the hills shall flow from it. I will bring back the captives from my people Israel. They shall build the way cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land, and they no longer will be pulled up from the land which I have given them, says the Lord your God. It's just, there's something about intimacy. And I know it's the, it's the cry of this house, and, and I know it's the cry of my heart, and I know it's the cry of Roy's heart, I know it's the cry of Patty's heart, I know it's the cry of that so many people that I spend life with, it's that one cry, that one thing, God, we want to know you, we want your presence. I'm really feeling how he wants to close this down. Isaiah forty thirty one. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word wait in Hebrew means to, to intertwine, to twist together or bind. There's something about that. Again, it's calling us to that one place, to pursue oneness with him. And as you do that, you're, he's going to raise you up. You're going to run and not grow weary. All these promises, the scripture, everything that he's bringing, you can now steward. And I just, over and over again, it's just the same. Finish well. Finish well. It's not about how we get in it. It's not about running ahead to make sure we're going to miss something. We're not. We can't miss him if we're pursuing his heart. It's impossible. His promise is, you seek me, you'll find me. Ask me, you'll receive. Knock and I'll open it up. Like, they're promises. All of them are promises.
But again, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3, he talks about all these gifts again. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clinging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. 1 Corinthians 14.1 Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. We're, call, we're called to pursue one thing. God is love. We're called to pursue Him, to pursue His heart. Desire the rest, pursue Him. The rest will never be misused. Acts 4, 13, 14. I love this. These are men that knew him. They spent time with him. The disciples spent three, three and a half years with him being trained. They, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They realized they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed, they could say nothing against it. They're uneducated and untrained, yet they marveled because of the boldness and the authority that they walked in. You, can't, you, can, you can try, but you can't counterfeit true godly authority. You can't. You can't. It's only forged one way. It's through intimacy, it's through obedience, and it's relational. You may see lots of power, lots of things happen, but authority, you can't, you can't counterfeit it. Everywhere Jesus went, he never had to say a word. The man at the Gadarenes, he stepped onto shore and that man with 2,000 demons fell to his knees in worship and that demon started to cry out, Jesus, son of David, why have you come to torment us before our time? And then they begin to plead, if you're going to cast us out, send us to the swine. Authority, it's just, you can't trump it, you can't counterfeit it. They were pleading, please don't send us to a dry place. So, I'm just trusting that because I did this in obedience, that someone here needed to hear it. And again, he's inviting you deeper. He's inviting you deeper. And he's saying, don't get caught up in the bright lights. If it's truly God, it'll be done with humility, it'll be done with love, and it will never self-elevate. It won't self-promote. It will always glorify our King. It's way too quiet in here. So, Father, I just thank you for this house. I thank you for every single person here. I thank you for Roy just for the unwavering leadership that he brings, the stability. Lord, that he just knows one thing, it's intimacy, it's true identity, which only can be found in that quiet place. God, I just speak a blessing over him and Patty, and I just thank you that they just said yes when things were hard. I thank you for every single person that stood by him from the beginning, that just contended when it looked like it was all falling apart. 
that entered through that narrow way. God, I just speak blessing in the name of Jesus over this house to everyone he's brought into it. That as this thing goes forward, God, that is done with yieldedness, it's done with just expectancy, but it's done, God, with that one heart that you, Jesus, would be glorified. I thank you, Father, that every person here walks in love and that the very first thing when you describe love is it doesn't seek its own. I thank you for every promise in your word, God. I thank you for all the things you're going to do, but most of all that this baton, this baton, this foundation that's being built, this body, this house that you're raising, Lord, with just hearts of people that have just, where it's pure, it's not, it don't have motive, but that it's going to get passed to another generation. God, for the second time in history, let it be here. David passed it to Solomon. It didn't end well after that. But Lord, I'm asking you that here, this one would end well, that it would be passed down and it would be the ceiling that we give, it would become the, ki- the floor of our kids. And that they would take this thing to places it could never have dreamed of going, God. That you would be glorified. That the world would really see what happens when we yield. That would, the world would really see what happens when we pursue intimacy. That just like Peter, when he walked, when he was walking from where his place of work to the temple, that the anointing, his presence, your presence was so strong on him that people could see it, they could feel it, and they lined the streets and just his passing by because you're good and you say these things follow, that people were healed. They were healed because of the intimacy he walked in. God, I just bless this house with that kind of intimacy. Let it be all of our hearts together in the name of Jesus.